these two Supreme Court cases are taking everything by storm right now. You know, you've got the case uh, involving Obamacare, 7-2 decision that keeps it intact, but the decision wasn't about Obamacare. It's so important to keep that in mind, that the decision is procedural. That's, that's the best way to describe it. It was about whether or not standing w- w- was had, right? Can, can these states bring this case and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, we don't like this Obamacare. That's what's interesting. The other one being about uh, Catholic uh, social services and being able to say, yes, we provide adoption, but we don't provide them to same-sex homes. It's a conversation of religious freedom. There's also a conversation about voting freedom. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Senator Todd Young joins us right now, Senator from Indiana. Because as we look at H.R. 1, S1 in the Senate, you see this conversation of this idea of a government takeover, really, of voting rights. And we see this pushed by the political left. And very often, we often see from them that the ends justify the means. Senator Young taken to the floor of the Senate and... Uh, Going at Democrats for pushing this idea, Senator Young, what is it that you said on the floor the other day? Well, look, uh, Tony, there is so much gas uh, lighting going on here with respect to this H.R. 1, S. 1, so-called For the People Act. And somebody had to clarify the record. So I went down to the floor of the United States Senate and I actually... uh, decided to deliver some facts to my colleagues, to the American people, uh, uh, for all 20 who are watching C-SPAN 2. And um, I I wanted them to know that, look, our own Census Bureau indicates that uh, voter turnout for African Americans, for Hispanic Americans, were up this last election, 3% and 6%, uh, respectively. Asian Americans saw a huge 10% increase. Voting has never been easier in this country, that's not the narrative that uh, the mainstream media is feeding us, though. But the, the whole intention of, of, of S-1 is to try and allow Democrats to nationalize our elections and to rig the system so that they'll have permanent majorities um, in, uh, in the U.S. Senate and in the U.S. House. And, and so the value proposition, there are three quick things that I, 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 uh, your listeners will be interested in. Number one. The Dems want to fund their campaigns with our tax dollars. So, you know, let's say somebody gives 100 bucks to Nancy Pelosi's campaign. That's part of their free speech rights. That's fine. They want to be civically engaged. They like Nancy Pelosi. But under this law, um, that $100 could be matched by $600 in taxpayer money. Um, that is not how I want my taxpayer money spent. They want to enable, to allow under the law, ballot harvesting in every state uh, across the country. So we, in, in our state, you can already turn in your absentee ballot. But under this, anybody, anybody, complete stranger, could turn in uh, your absentee ballot, and there's zero limit on the number of ballots you can turn in. You can turn So in here's the question, sir. I, I, and it's it, not it, that I disagree yeah. with you on any part of this. The question is, can't Republicans use this to their benefit as well? So when we talk about what the left can do, isn't this something that the right could do as well? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's very fair. And uh, to make that point, and frankly, uh, you're not going to hear this U.S. senator 
encouraging any Republicans to engage in that sort of nefarious, immoral and un-American behavior. And that's where really this conversation is, right? It's that the law in and of itself is opposed to the American ethos. Yeah, it is. It it really is uh, one person, one vote. Uh, We want to make sure that there is integrity to our election system so that everyone has has confidence in our system. We've done a great job of that in the state of Indiana. It's passed muster uh, throughout a, a series of legal challenges, most notably our voter ID law that was upheld by the Supreme Court a number of years ago. And, um, you know, it's been fair. It's been public spirited. It's been consistent with, with the, the vision of our founders of, of a republic of equal citizens, all equal in our citizenship. Some are more equal than others under the Democratic vision of S1 or HR1, though. And that would be, for example, those people who can go out and collect thousands of ballots and, and turn in those that they want to turn in. Senator Todd Young, before I, I let you go, uh, you have been able to pull off a rare feat. When you do things I don't like, I say so. When you do things I like or I find impressive, uh, I say so. The Endless Frontier Act, you actually got a bipartisan bill uh, uh, through uh, the, the Senate. I know you're going to be in Indiana tomorrow, uh, pushing it, talking about it, sharing about it. Give us an idea of what we're discussing here in regards to China and this act. This is the boldest, most sweeping, most comprehensive and toughest anti-China measure in the history of our nation. Uh, we passed it with bipartisan support, uh, out, as you indicated, out of the U.S. Senate. Um, the heart of it, the core of it is investment in cutting-edge 21st century technologies, technologies that have military applications like artificial intelligence and robotics and uh, supercomputing. Uh, things the Chinese are investing heavily in, but they also have commercial applications. So to the extent the United States, as opposed to China, can dominate these fields, we're going to have 21st century jobs. Uh, there's a tech hub, hub component that, that will be very important to a number of our states as well. Uh, we uh, ensure that you know, all the venture capitalists right now are on the coast. They're in places like Silicon Valley and Boston and, and the North Carolina Research Triangle. But there's so much untapped talent across the heartland. And so this bill calls for the establishment of tech hubs that will lead to better paying 21st century uh, jobs all across the country so that we can bring the American people into this battle against the Chinese Communist Party, and they can enjoy more prosperous, more more fulfilling lives as well. When do we bring drug manufacturing to the United States? Let's hope in fairly short order. I mean, we uh, roughly 70% of of the inputs, and that's a a real lowball estimate, uh, are imported from other countries, so we're clearly overly dependent on other countries uh, for our supply chains. So the way we're going to have to look at this is, is there are certain things that will have to be uh, located here in the United States of America. An example would be PPE, right? And then there are other things for which we can rely on trusted partners. Uh, Canada uh, would probably be, he'd be among those, right? Uh, uh, England, uh, uh, there, uh, Israel, there are others on the list. Uh, what we don't want to do is be uh, incredibly dependent, as we are right now, on communist China 
uh, to produce uh, essential, life-saving, life-extending things like pharmaceutical products. And oh, by the way, Indiana being both a, a pharmaceutical mecca and also the most manufacturing-intensive state in the country has real upside opportunity here as we reshore uh, some of this manufacturing capability. Senator Todd Young, Senator from Indiana, young.senate.gov. I appreciate you taking uh, the time, sir. You can go back to work now. Good to you, whatever it is you do. Always appreciate it, Tony. Out here. Absolutely. Take care, sir. Senator Todd Young.